He said, but be transformed or be changed by the entire renewal of your mind. And again, forgive me for having to repeat things, but we need to repeat them because teaching comes by way of repetition. Remember that the word renewed there, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, rather, excuse me, the word transformed, be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. The word transform is the Greek word metamorphio, where we get the word metamorphosis. But again, it's the best illustration is still that illustration of the caterpillar, you know, the little worm that goes into its chrysalis stage and stays there, totally just dormant for a while, it seems, but then it burst out at the appointed time, and it's a butterfly. It's changed in character, nature, and function. It goes through metamorphosis. And what God's Word, which His Spirit will do to us as we renew our minds to the truths about this grace of God, God's hope is that we will be changed, hallelujah, in character and in nature, in other words, the way we think, and in the way we live, in the way we function. So again, God wants us to do this. And now I've got on the outline there, I said, let me just read point two. I said, for too long, we in the church have been taught a mixed gospel. And through this, we've grown accustomed to thinking wrongly about the God that we serve. Now, again, I'm repeating myself, but I'll give you this quote from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer, the great classic Christian author, wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And I shared this on Saturday as well. But in that book, he speaks to this on the first two pages where he makes this statement that, that the first picture or thought, remember, that comes into your mind about God. In other words, the picture, the image, the vision that you have of God. When you think about God, he said, the first pictures that come into your mind when you think about God will control your entire destiny in future, in future as far as your Christian experience is concerned. In other words, if you see him as a angry, domineering God looking for the opportunity to, to slap you down and to, to cause harm to you, to, you know, in, in other words, if you've gone to a church where all they've ever taught you is the lie of the devil that says when you get sick, it's God putting sickness on you to teach you something. I mean, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God's the father from whom all fatherhood takes his name. No good father. I mean, it's the illustration we always use is, can you imagine if you had a child and you've got a fire going over here to keep us warm and you want to teach your child, your two-year-old, three-year-old, you want to teach them how fire's dangerous. And so you walk your child over there and take his hand and say, now watch this, Johnny. And you take little Johnny's hand and stick it into the fire and let his hand get burned and rah, you know, have the kid cry and say, see, Johnny, that's why you should never touch this stuff. It's hot. It'll burn you. Well, if somebody did that today, they'd put him in jail, wouldn't they? Because it's a criminal act. And yet all over the body of Christ, we have people teaching that our God, who is a good God, where Romans 13 says again, remember, love never hurts anybody and God is love. There's churches all over the place that continually teach, well, God's done that to you, to teach you something. And in other words, they're saying God has caused, it's this important difference, God has caused this to happen to you because he needed to teach you something. All through the Old Testament, when I was at Bible school, they had us study every single scripture in the, Old, in the Old Testament where it says things like, I am God, I create evil, I kill, I make alive, or where God did this to somebody, or God did that to somebody. But they had us study every single one of those scriptures, and they, 
They showed, we had to study the Dead Sea Scrolls. By that, I mean, we didn't study the scrolls, but they brought all this information to us because we had guys teaching me that were 20-year Hebrew scholars and 20-year Greek scholars. And when they found these old documents, you have to understand, they became far more aware of what some of the languages spoke. Well, some of the languages, some of the words in Greek and things and ancient Hebrew and Aramaic that they were actually translated. They, they were able to look at these languages and more clearly understand some of the definitions and how the words were used. But the point is, we had to study this with these two doctors and uh, they, it was incredible. Every single verse in the Old Testament where a Hebrew phrase has been translated in the causative sense, God caused this, in, in, in the languages, it's not one of them is really translated causative. Every single case it's actually supposed to be in the permissive sense. Now, you'll, you might say I'm just playing with words, but that becomes very important because you have to understand God is not the author of evil. Do you hear me? God's not the author of evil. None of them are causative, they're permissive. And you say, well, what difference does that make? That sounds like the same thing. If God permits evil, isn't that the same? No. It's, again, why we have to understand covenants and what have you. When God's people purposefully, intentionally stepped out in disobedience to his known commands, they themselves removed themselves out from underneath this holy covenant. And in this covenant, God had said categorically that when people stepped outside of this, these curses and things would come. But they didn't come from God. They came from disobedience. God's not the author of evil. Think about it. God, is there any sickness in heaven? Is there? Is there any poverty in heaven? God would have to go to hell <laughs> to get the sickness to put it on his people. There's no sickness in heaven to put on people. It doesn't come from God. You see what I'm trying to say? You have to, you have to make a decision in the beginning. This is why John 10.10 10 is one of the dividing lines of scripture. That simple verse where Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. An abundant life does not come with cancer or sickness or disease or poverty, does it? No, it doesn't. So the point is God does not put things, he does not bring tragedy to somebody to teach them. But again, let me say this, if you're in the midst of a tragic situation, if you're in the midst of a sickness, of course God will take advantage of those times to instruct you. But see, watch that line real carefully. He doesn't afflict you with it. He'll take advantage of it though. In other words, if it's the only time you'll ever listen. There's an old joke where a guy was talking to a preacher once and another preacher said, well, he said, you know, I walked outside last year and he said, uh, you know, I got hit by a bus. He said, and I'm in the hospital now because God wanted me to get hit by that bus so he could teach me something. And since I've been in the hospital, you know, God's really been speaking to me. And this other minister that was visiting him said, well, he said, I guess if you want to think that way, it's all right. But he said, dear God, you don't have, he said, I said a real quick prayer. Lord, you don't have to hit me with the bus. You can speak to me while I'm sitting in my easy chair, <laughs> sitting in my chair in my living room. I just prefer you speak to me there, please. But you know, it's crazy. Anyhow. But now how you think though, you see, if you've been raised in a church, you've gone to a place all your life where you've heard about this, God will judge you for this. God will beat you over the head for this. Then you'll believe it because faith comes by hearing. And what you hear over and over again, you'll ultimately believe. And the problem with that is, again, what you believe, you'll empower. 
and I preach this every message I preach everywhere in every conference I've ever spoke, but in 1 Thessalonians, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Thessalonians, there's this passage where the Word of God tells us categorically, God's Word says that when people do not receive the love of the truth, that a spirit of delusion will come. Listen, a spirit of delusion will come that they might believe a lie and be damned for it who had pleasure in unrighteousness as opposed to righteousness. 